Hi everyone and welcome to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan and tonight I'll be taking over hosting duties from Luca. Um, we've <laughs> Luca's not around tonight, so he's um, he's on holiday. We've not um, sacked him or anything or formed a coup. Um, <laughs> I'll be stepping in to, to cover tonight. Um, unfortunately, I'm not able to give you the intro today, so we'll just go back to the old system um, and we'll go straight into the pod. Um, tonight... We've got a full house, so I'm joined by three people, three speakers. So I've got Ben. How's it going, Ben? Good, thank you. How are you guys? Good, yeah. Congratulations, by the way, on your, your little boy. It's really good news. Happy to hear yeah, that. Yeah, a new, a new recruit joins the ranks. So yeah. a new, uh, his his first game at home will be Trelisac, so hopefully he'll see a win. This are you going to take him? Win. No, we won't go to the game, yeah. but I, I'll, watch it. I'll watch it at home with him with... Uh, the French TV and, and put a scarf on him and stuff. So we'll see how it goes. Nice one. Yeah. Thanks. Brilliant. Hopefully, future heir to the podcast. And then I've also got Ed. <laughs> you alright, Ed? Yeah, I'm alright. Good to good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. We've not seen you for a while, have we? Yeah, I've been busy with university. Uh, long nights doing essays. So yeah. it's, it's daily grind, unfortunately. Got some well earned break now, though. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, just write articles, basically. That sounds like and fun. Do, and do this as well, of course. <laughs> nice one. And we've also got Mo as well. You alright, Mo? Hi guys, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah. Um yeah, I always wonder Mo because I hear I hear you on the other podcasts and stuff talking about PSG and Leon all the time. I wonder always wonder if you ever get frustrated and you just want to come back on here. Well I get I get a little <laughs> bit slagged off, yeah, you know, because that that one records on Monday, so it's quite difficult to uh split my time and um I get a little bit slagged off, especially when I'm, you know, I express my pleasure when we're playing so well, um, yeah. so often, and it gets, you know, I, I feel like I get a little bit slagged off just for enjoying it, um, or being a bit unrealistic. <laughs> or I think people are waiting um, to for for us to sort of crash back down to earth, and you know, I've, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks because um, it's on the main GFFN, GFFN account. Uh, which goes out to 150,000 people, and they just like as um, many. Yeah, that? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know how many people listen. That's that's another thing entirely. But um, I felt that they need to sort of defend our team a little bit um, on there. But yeah, no, it's good. It's always good being back amongst their uh, contemporaries. <laughs> well, I bet um, none of them expected us to actually be doing so well this season. So it makes yeah. it harder <laughs> for people to give you a hard time. Indeed. Yeah. Right, so um, what we're going to do tonight, um, we've got a slightly different format from what we've been doing in, in recent podcasts, so we'll start off with a brief review of last night's match with Neem. Um Since we've last podcasted, actually there's been two games, so Marseille drew 1-1 with Mets a week ago, and then last night achieved a 3-1 victory at home against Neem. Uh, courtesy of goals, well, an own goal from Sofiane Alakush, um, it was Benedetto, wasn't it? The second goal, am I right? And then, and then Dimitri. Yeah, pa- yes. Nice follow up. And then Dimitri Payet with a exquisite um, goal, with a third goal, I think. And then I think it was Briançon, Briançon, yeah. I think that scored the the, the consolation goal for Nîmes. Um, so we're also going to after that as well. Sorry, I, I should say we're we're going to because it's the end of the decade. We'll. Um, well, the, yes, so we're coming up to the end of the decade, um, so we're going to have a, a sort of brief review, a chat about Marseille's progress over the last 10 years, and we'll also um, pick out our you know, our favourite player over the last decade, our favourite game, favourite goal, and then we'll discuss our 
best 11 over the last 10 years as well. Um, so a bit of reminiscing over the years um, to go through. But um, yeah, so so we're not going to spend too much time on the, the Neem and Mets games. But so very briefly, yeah, I was just thinking, you know, um, how did you guys find last night's game and the, the performance and particularly in contrast to the result the previous week at Mets? What are your thoughts? That's a nice way to end the season, end the first half of the season. Um, you know, Neems was last season was a bit, a bit of a bogey team for us, so it was nice to get a three-one win. Obviously, the worry is now that in the past eight games we've only kept two clean sheets. That is a worry for the second half that we've got to be more tighter at the mm. back. But it's it's great to see the Velodrome so happy. You know, last season we were struggling to get a draw against Angers. You know, the mood was downcast. It was the, it was starting to bubble under the surface that Garcia was not the man to do the job. And I'm not sure about what AVB will do in the future. I'm not sure, you know, where we'll get to Champions League. But it's just so nice to see an Arte team that's playing so well. Benedetta is playing brilliantly. Pyatt's playing brilliantly. Uh, Ron Jay is turning out to be the signing of the season so far. You know, it's all looking good. It's all playing together play into our hands now. You know, we're six points clear now of Fern. We're 12 points clear ahead of Leon. This is incredible. This is the kind of football we dreamed about last season, but we never got. But we can always fake Special Agent Garcia for his uh, little efforts <laughs> in turning Leon into a laughing stock. As for the Mets game, nah, I was just, we just naff. I mean, when Mondonda went down, it was just really playing catch up and Luckily, we got one back because if we had lost it, we would have been ha- the press would have been on AVB and put the gang's backsides. So, um, still, yeah. still room for improvement. Good. Yeah, I mean, it's worth pointing out. Sorry, just uh, for listeners. Although we are six, six point, I think five points clear, aren't five, we? Five, yeah, yeah, but we're I think Ren and third place. Have Sorry got about that. They've got a game in hand, don't they? So they can catch up with us within two points if they win. Well, we're actually playing them in, in, in January as well, away. So it's going to be a very important game. I think it's our first league game in January. Okay. Then away. Right. And presumably that's their first game as well then? Yeah. After after the Cup game, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, they're on a decent run as well. I mean, they struggled early on in the season. I think Julian Stefan was getting slagged off a lot. And now he's, he's found his footing. And, and Bainyong is, is a real threat up front. So we've... Again, as, as Ed pointed out, the fact that we can't clean, keep clean sheets, despite the fact that Alvaro's back and Chetakara has been on good form and Kamara's moving between midfield and, and defence, it is mm. a bit worrying that we can't keep a clean sheet. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess, look, as, as Ed says, I mean, and, and Ed, it's, it's nice to hear you again because it's been a while, but it's also nice to hear you happy. And, yeah. <laughs> I think... I think <laughs> We're all in that in that frame of mind because if if we had to, I think a few weeks back we did um, a first third of the season pod with with Stefan Lucas and we were saying, look, hopefully we continue on this run just after beating Lyon. Since then, we won six more games, drew one, so we're unbeaten since October. We're playing some good football. Um, the players are really coming into their own. Payet is is the is going back to his former former self. He's having one last hurrah. I think this will be probably his, his last great season for us. Uh, Rongier has been a great signing, and, and we we have a balance and creativity that we didn't have last season. And, and credit to AVB because it's majorly it's the same squad. So he's he's really done a big job on the players mentally. So people like Sanson and Mavi have come back on form. 
so very very good work from AVB there and Again, yeah, Mets. I think Mets was the conditions. It was cold. It was wet. It was damp. Benedetto was half injured. Uh, last last season, that's a game we would have crumbled in after going behind and losing the captain to injury. But this season, we were able to pull a drawback. So you, you need those points. You need to not lose. What what was good for us is that our rivals didn't didn't really win last weekend either. So they didn't catch up on us. And now we've kept capitalised with a good win against Nîmes because Lille got destroyed. Away yeah, from Monaco. Good point. Yeah. This, despite playing them off the park in, in midweek in, in the cup, and then Lyon drew and, and Bordeaux lost to, to Rennes. So Rennes is, is looking like our contender for now. We'll see. We'll see if other people emerge in, in sort of January, February time. I think Lille will. Now they don't have any more European competition. They'll, they'll find form in the league and they'll they'll make a push for, for third place. But long, look, we we have to continue like this. Yeah, and I think that you know that's. A really good point, actually, um, about just the way, we, you know, consistency, you know, continuing the way we're, we're going, because um, I think that's part of the reason why we're, you know, we're sitting so highly is because recently we've been a lot more consistent than anyone else. Um, and you quite rightly point, um, referred to the Leo game. I was starting to worry about, about Leo recently because they were picking up some good results and whether or not they were going to gather a bit of momentum. But seeing them getting hammered off Monaco, I was quite, I was quite pleased about that. But yeah, and, and again, if you bring it down to stats and just, just form, they are still the worst um, away team in Ligue 1 this season. That's and and that's, that's since January as well. They've been the worst away sides. Actually, one of the worst away sides in Europe. And you contrast that with a team like Sheffield United in England, who have only lost one game away in 2019. I mean, but then you flip it back onto Marseille and you look, since we lost uh, on the opening day, I think we're unbeaten at the Velodrome. And we've we've turned it back into a fortress and the stadium's full for almost every game. And, and we, we know how the, how this team and this club works. When the fans get behind the players, it, it creates a fortress at home. And that's what we're seeing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, can I, can I, can I add one more point? I mean, it, it, adding on to Ben's point, you can see how different the atmosphere is. You know, the atmosphere was electric in the Velodrome. It's been electric for the past few few home matches. Okay. Contrast that, contrast that to last season, where everyone just was down, depressed, miserable. The fans can... We know fans can add an extra... Almost like a 12th man to the home side. I, I think the fans have been a major, major asset to this club this season. been phenomenal. They've intimidated the opposition. Like said basically you're not going to get a point here and it's, it's been great it's, it's been great we've, we've been you know the games that we that we would normally crack under you know we've held our own and the fans have been helping boy because they've got behind us it's, it's i don't know how happy i don't know how to tell you how happy i am the way we're playing but while we keep this going we've got to do it and i think we will but anyway mo's waiting for to make his point so i'll shut up yeah, no worries. Yeah, that's cool. Um, actually, I, that's a good point as well. Actually, about the the fans. Um, because I I wasn't so sure la- last night because the stream that I was watching on, um, I kept having problems with the sound, so there was no commentating. And then for the periods of the game as well, I had no sound completely from that stream. Um, so I couldn't really tell about the atmosphere. But the bits that I'd seen where there I had sound but without any commentating, I thought that the stadium seemed a bit flat. But I don't know if that was just. Maybe you know, so I think sometimes we're commentating as well. It kind of um... it depends, like where the 
whether they're in the booth or whether they're actually there. Um, yeah, maybe. It kind of has an effect, yeah. yeah. I, thought, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like that. I thought it was quite... Um, there were still 60,000 people there, so I, I didn't... Yeah, okay, yeah, right, well, yeah. Um, I mean, this was the first half. The second half, I had no sound at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was weird. I don't know. I just wondered if, you know, maybe sometimes as well the commentating can kind of make you seem excited about it as well, you know. And you know, we're not used to watching games without any commentating that often, so it's a weird experience anyway, I think, when you're doing that. Um, but, yeah, sorry, Mo, like, what are your thoughts um, on, well, the game? And, yeah, if well, you've got anything to say about the, the I mean, Mets game I as well. The, the other two, they've, um, they've obviously rightly sort of highlighted the praise of, like, uh, just how are the teams doing? And obviously, yesterday was not a continuation of uh, Sanson and Rogier, um, who, you know, Rogier in particular had another, uh, I thought, brilliant game. Um, but one thing that just really a bit annoys me is a little bit is just how few uh, chances we actually convert because we're, we're we're creating quite a few. Um, and I think yesterday again at halftime we had like eighteen chances. Um, was it for sort of more than 15? And then if you look at uh, the fact that we've had 60 in the last two home games, like in front of our fans, it's just taking so long to sort of make the make the breakthrough, make the deadlock. And it doesn't help that obviously in the same way that last summer of rest was really, really good. Um, yeah, Bernardoni had a really great first half loss uh, last night. Um, you know, even the corner routine that Pyatt had and the volley on the outside of the box, the header from Alvaro, he made like really, really good saves. It's just a bit frustrating that we're unable to sort of, the Angers match aside, sort of, you know, just settle down really, really quickly and then control the game from there on. Whereas I feel like we are, you know, continuing and trying and to no success, having, you know, almost having no idea and then somehow at half time we come out rejuvenated. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's obviously credit to ADB. I feel there's something going on in that half time team talk because obviously the second half the team the team looks, you know, a different sort of side. It's more pressing. There's more, you know, go for broke sort of attacking play. Um and it worked obviously yesterday, um, where all four goals came after the uh half-time whistle especially the first goal coming I think 20 seconds after the second half began um so it's it's there's you know there's pros and cons but I just like to see that you know we, we're starting the game well um but it just takes a long while to get into it if you look at Mets you know it was in the last 15 minutes or or, or normally it's between like the half the hour mark that we sort of start to hit our peak and I feel that's a bit too uh too long whereas we want to be Taking advantage, especially when we're playing, uh, you know, lower lower ranked teams to to sort of have a more wholesome game, um, and I'd much rather like in the Angers game to be two 0 up, um, you know, in the first half, I can sort of just control the match, and then to have a bit of individuality or whatever, you know, come through. Uh, but the, the you know the team is getting bogged down a bit too much, which doesn't surprise me because obviously I think now we are the form team. Everyone wants a chunk of us, so you know it's no longer the teams are able to bring their own style to the velodrome or, or wherever, as was the case last year when we were absolutely hapless and we were getting regularly beat. Um, but we just need to sort of stay on top of that, I feel like, and not wait for AVB's magic. Uh, that's just really the only criticism I have. Mm, yeah. You're right, and I think AVB said it ahead half, well, in his post-match interview, mate, that exactly that was it. I think the, the players were a bit nervous and they were a bit frustrated at half-time, and, and 
it, there were there were a few shades of the Montpellier game because it's yeah yes it is a local rival so I think that Nîmes got in their heads a bit like like they did against Lyon except against Lyon that the refereeing helped Lyon quite a bit because they had a few men sent off but yeah there were a few tackles flying in and a, a few little little sort of nifty shirt pulls in, in midfield to just to frustrate the Marseille players and there was a lot of there was a bit of talk back to the referee and a bit of arguing and AVB said that in the post game interview that he just sat the guys down and said guys keep your heads that the breakthrough will come don't argue with the referee because we know that we'll, we'll, it will end up getting in trouble so exactly that yeah as you say it would be nice if the players could do it by themselves but the fact that they do it and we, we do find the breakthrough is, is a relief yeah, really good points. Um, I actually watched the game with my dad, um, so I'm back home, and my dad's from Nîmes, actually, so he's um, rediscovered his love for Nîmes since he qualified to Ligue 1 last year, um, you know, didn't follow them for about 30 years, and suddenly he's a fan again, um, and um, it was quite funny watching it with him, because we were, you know, obviously... Support although he likes Marseille, we were supporting opposite teams, but he just refused to watch it with me anymore. After um, Marseille <laughs> scored the first goal, he decided to switch it off. So I watched the rest of myself. Um, but I thought that the you know the game was I mean quite. I didn't see the Mets game, so I unfortunately didn't see the kind of negativity that I you know that I've I've heard about from everyone. Um, but the game that I saw last night was quite consistent with many of the recent games we've had and that we look lively and dominant um, and I was quite pleased with that, particularly that midfield three, Rangier, Camara, Sanson seemed to be developing a nice trio um, but I did think in the second half we allowed Nîmes a bit too much space at times to kind of push forward for periods um, but I, I think like one of the things that maybe you know from yesterday's game that really stood out for me and it's not Again, it's it, it's nothing new. It's consistent with his recent form. But I thought Pyatt was excellent. Actually, I think there was a moment where I think it was the was it the second goal where he he kind of ran forward from the left hand side. He, he, ran, he runs a big chunk of the pitch. I think it was the second goal, and I was just surprised at his pace. Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe he was running at that pace. You know, for someone who's we've criticised for being over overweight and sluggish for so long, he just looked fitter and you know. More energetic and um, yeah, you know, he's got, he's got a spring in his step. Hasn't yeah, he? yeah, exactly. So that was, you know, it was just so good to see him. Well, it's been a while as well. He's it's, been playing well. He's been yeah. ever since the probably the Lille game, um, or the Lyon game for him. Obviously, uh, he was being you know, suspended for that one. But um, since the Lyon game, he's actually had, I, I, I think, no less than a seven out of ten game since. And that's a run of what seven games, um, and considering yep. that he was suspended for the four before that, um, he's really been, you know, the, the, the form player in the game alongside probably Mbappe or or, or or someone else. But he's just been absolutely fantastic, and it's it just goes to show. Imagine, you know, on one side, had he not been suspended, where would we be? We probably would have had an extra four points, a minimum, out of those four games. Um, and it would have been comfortably or quite some distance in second um, if we managed to have his creativity to unlock. I remember the Montpellier and Dijon games in particular. Um, uh, oh, sorry, not the Montpellier, was, we got sent off in that one, but the, uh, I think it was the rain game as well. Um, but 
you know, the fact that he's had some time out and he's been raring to go ever since. And he obviously clearly likes AVB. Um, yeah. And in equal measure, clearly dislikes Rudy Garcia and felt, felt that last year was an absolute wasted year for him in football, um, which, considering the, the highs of 2018 and the, the, the sort of drama of missing out on the World Cup, um, you know, at 32, you don't really have many years left in your career. So he's just really giving it all. And I, obviously, people say, well, he's only playing for, for a tournament space. But, you know, tournaments come regularly these days. Um, and so, you know, it, it, if, if that's the case, well, we can only benefit from that. Um, and if he wants to make a push into the Euros, that's, that's, that's his prerogative because obviously it's helping us get points to the board. And we'll need it uh, next year because um, there's a couple of things I just want to mention. Um, looking forward to, to sort of the next couple of weeks or the next couple of match- matches is that while it's absolutely fantastic, um, our record so far, considering that all our really poor results were bunched you know, in, in the September, early October period, um, and everything since has been absolutely great. Um, we've probably had an easy calendar in that we faced our direct challenges at home. Um, and really, our only big games away were probably PSG, uh, Monaco, Nice, of you know, the latter two, which we won, of course, um, and Angers, yep. which we also won, which has also been great. But obviously, that, you know, in the winter, which, you know, in like sort of dark and damp January, February, we'll be going to Rennes, Saint-Étienne, uh, we have to go to Lille, we have to go to Lyon, we have to go to Bordeaux, we have to go to Strasbourg. Um, you know, these are these are tough games. Ideally, we just need to really replicate. We just need to replicate our first record. And I think, obviously, I'm someone that obviously clearly sort of strays into the territory of counting as chickens before they come home to roost. Um, but 10 games, 10 wins is really, I think, all we need because the league is so crap this year and Lyon have an almighty deficit to, to, to catch up and Lille's away form have been crap and Ren, they are our closest challenges but obviously this is a situation they're not, they're not facing ages uh, 10 wins um, with which 7 can be at home and 3 against you know the bottom 3 uh, a total of 68 to 72 points a minimum to finish in top 3 um, is what's necessary um, but it's still a massive call and obviously we're, we've got you know we're not going to sign anybody I don't think in January um, but to have obviously Torvan back is going to be it's going to be incredible, um, and you know to be able to play different combinations, um, uh, you know having having a front sort of three of Radonjic, Paya, Torvan. I think Paya might dabble back into his false nine role if it's the case that Benedetto needs to be arrested and Germain for some reason is unavailable. Um, you know we're going to have to really use all our all our players, and the only criticism also we have this time is that. When a, you know, a key player such as Paio Benedetto has, has been absent, we really just look like we're missing something. We're missing a big chunk of quality. Um, and obviously, it's going to count more in February, March than it does now. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's everything, you know, it's really pointing in the right direction. But I worry still, you know, you never know, you know, but the last time we've had this start, uh, this great start to the season, um, we were first by a, by a good chunk um, and managed to screw it up. Um, even though we did have a very thin squad at the time. Um, well, similar context, isn't it? Because we, we yeah. have a slim squad again. And yeah, without yeah, Europe yeah, as yeah. well. And without Europe as well. And obviously with Rudy Garcia in 2018, 2017-18, we, uh, we also had 38 points after 19. And it still wasn't enough because the league was actually a much better quality. 
um, that year and it wasn't even enough to to qualify for the Champions League. Um, so yeah, just a little caveats um, that we need to consider. But obviously, I think you know it's well placed. And one thing that we have now that we probably didn't have then is togetherness and cohesion, um, because like this really looks like a group that everybody is pulling in the right direction. That we're not relying on individual brilliance or or you know having one player turn up in the same way that it probably was for for Payet and Torvan in 2018, uh, or for Gignac and uh, well, Payet as well, or Ayu in 2015 as well. Uh, it's really, really is the collective. We're not scoring a hatful of goals. We're not, you know, there's not one player that's far and above, you know, and another. It's all everybody pulling in the same direction. And we can honestly say that when we win, it's deserved, and when we lose, it's probably deserved also. We're not relying on anybody. Um, so these are just sort of points to consider. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, um, I think the only thing that I would point I would add actually was um before we move on was just you know just thinking back about Pi actually I was a bit disappointed that he didn't um I know it doesn't matter but I was a bit disappointed that he didn't win the league and player of the month and it went to I think it was Ren oh, Adelaide you know yeah, was, what a joke uh, it was an absolute farce um obviously these sort of things don't really matter in the end or in the grand scheme of things but like you, you know we've it's just you, nobody you likes us you know you could have had an all marseille shortlist you could have had an all marseille shortlist with mm. sanson and roger who deserve just as much as Pyatt. true um, true to have none of them none of them included yeah. um it just it just reeks and who's the other like a jock or, or someone else uh um, oh, yeah from from Hasbro, yeah. yeah and someone else um yeah no, I just to see Literally, the best performing team, the best players in the best performing team did not get included. Yeah. It's just smacks of, you know. Okay, yeah, I think we'll move on because I'm just a bit worried about time, actually. Um, so I wanted to start thinking about the, you know, the decade review. So I said we'd have a kind of um, sort of brief chat um, about the about Marseille's progress over the last 10 years. So I'll just kind of put things, you know, just to, well, sorry, just to give people a bit of background of what's been happening. So, um I'll give a sort of brief summary, you know, um, and then before I ask your thoughts. But um, Marseille, you know, they started off the decade in quite strong fashion. I think if you think back to 2010, we won the league under Didier Deschamps. Um, and I think that was our first title in, what, 20, 26 years? 25, 26 years, I think, yeah, no more than that. Um, we then went out on to reach the quarterfinals of the Champions League um, after Deschamps. Deschamps, sorry, like, well, whilst in charge, this kind of reign sort of became a bit stagnant, and then the club sort of went through the reign of Vincent Lebrun and the Project Dortmund, and we started seeing the club reflect, you know, investing less in, in transfers, but buying younger players, younger talented players, with the hope of, you know, selling them on for bigger prices. So we, we brought a lot of interest in players in, like Benjamin Mendy, Mbula, Tovan, and so on, Batshuayi. Um, and it didn't and it didn't really pan out as well as we'd hoped. Um, we saw a year of real excitement and drama under Marcelo Bielsa, which was, you know, for me, just a brilliant season. It produced so much stunning football, but it ended in a car crash ultimately with him. You know, we failed to get into the Champions League that year just, um, and we... Well, as you remember, he quit after, I think, one game in charge after we got beat by Cannes um, the following season and it sort of started this kind of downward spiral again for the club. Um, in recent years, we've kind of experienced sort of the welcome news of having new investment from, in, from um, 
McCourt in the OM Champions project. Um, we've we reached the Europa League final under Rudy Garcia, only to be hammered three nothing by Atletico Madrid and been shown to be really out of our depth. Um, we've seen the project fall apart as Garcia's kind of failed to inspire the players, the fans, and the club sort of failed to reach the Champions League during his tenure. Um, since then, we've seen investment from McCourt drying up slightly, um, but we've also seen considerable efforts by the club to invest in the formation and produce quality play, local players through the youth academy, and we're starting to see the kind of fruits of that slowly. Um, now we're ending the year, you know, as you guys have said, in better form. Things are looking a bit more positive, although we haven't had the same kind of... Um, I guess, well, I guess we've had a bit of a reality check recently compared to two or three years ago um, when McCourt took over. So we're currently sitting in second place in the league under AVB. I mean, we've got no chance of cha- challenging PSG, but there's a, you know, some feelings of positivity looking forward about you know whether we might be able to finish on the podium and whether we might be able to we might be putting in the right kind of long term infrastructure um, and sustainability. Um, so yeah, I know this is a really broad question, but it'd be good to for you guys just to tell me briefly like how you think OM has progressed these last ten years when you compare it to where we were in two thousand and ten and where we are now. Do you feel that the club can say that this was a successful ten year period or not? No. Um I'd say it was the, the lost decade in a way. Um, in this decade, we've seen PSG do what Marseille did in the late 80s, early 90s, mm. which was buy the best talent, try and win everything, and then with the eventual goal of winning the European Cup. We're falling behind massively. You know, Montpellier have won the league title over us. Real. Uh, and then Pierce, Monaco have won it as well. We've won one league title, and it was all really thanks to Didier Deschamps who has gone on to bigger and better things. Once Deschamps left, the rot started to settle lots with the Bruins' antics, not with the fact Marguerite and Louis de Free couldn't wait to get out of Marseille. Um, you know, the only... It's hard to really say. You know, we haven't been in the Champions League for six seasons now. I mean, that's shocking in my book. You know, considering we won the first Champions League, if you put it by what it was called, and that uh, you know, we're the first French, first and still only French club to win the Champions League. You know, in fact, we're not even that the biggest competition in in Europe. European club football is disgraceful, and we can look we we, we can we can look back and we can look back at Bielsa. We can look back at that magic run in the Europa League, and we can think they were great, but what did they actually achieve? I mean, we were robbed in that Bielsa season that, that VAR would have. Given a Campos's goal, we would have got through to Champions League, no issue. Although there was some dodgy stuff as well. I mean, we did lose to Bastia 2 0 at the Velodrome. And then, if we got to, well, if you think about it, we had three opportunities, we had two opportunities to get into the Champions League, and we failed. We failed at them. We lost at the Europa League final. We were dismal in it. And we lost a chance to get the Champions League via the league because we just ran out of steam. Um, so it has been. The lost decades and the amount of managers we've seen coming and going, like you know, Deschamps was stable, and then it was Ellie Boop, and then it was Bielsa 
great guy, you know, one great season, but then he bugged it off. And then Michel, who was, I'm sure everyone would agree in this uh, call tonight, was disgraceful. And was a, was, a, was a truly terrible manager. And then we had the Franck Passe reign, and then we had the Garcia reign. Yeah, it's good to get investment. Yeah, it's good to get, you know, ownership that's different from the norm. But what has Frank McCourt really done? I mean, he's invested, but it's scaled back. You know, we should have more money invested. We should have more money. You know, considering that... But, uh, we, yeah. we have wasted quite a bit, though. We, we did have the money. We spent it. We've just not spent it very well. Well, we, we blasted it on, Mar- on signings like Mario Balotelli. We blasted and, it on... And Streetman. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just mistakes. Just Streetman. You know, 2014-15 was another big mistake. If we'd made the Champions League, we wouldn't have had to have that fire sale of Turban, uh, Payet, Ayu, Jinyak. And they all came back anyway, yeah. Well, one of them did. Well, two of them did. Well, two, two, yeah, two. Well, Andre Ayu never came back, and neither did me. Oh, sorry, I forgot Benjamin Mendy as well, and Jijedje, you know, they all went. So it was a fire sale. But, you know, it has been a lost decade. We've got nothing really to celebrate. You know, we've got one free league cups, which let's face it, it's being discontinued, and that's probably for a reason because it's a waste of time. And one league title. You know, what's there to celebrate? What's it what's there to look back and think, oh that was great. The fact we beat Inter Milan once in the Champions League. Ooh, what we um, do what we do? We beat we got beat by Bayern Ed. Munich the next match four <laughs> nil. What's the point? Ed Ed, if you wanna I think there's there's definitely a lot of things I agree in there with you. Um particularly, there's been some really, really bad teams. But if you want to compare this decade to last decade uh, for OM, I'd much rather take this one. Um, I'm not, not sure about I'd that. Much rather, mm, I'd much rather I'm not convinced one. either, but... The reason ahead, why... I'll, I'll, put, I'll put the case. I'll put, I'll make the Come case on, Squire, let's hear it. It's, um, first of all, like, you have to recognise football has changed. And, you know, like, money has also come into play. The league is not a fair balance. Uh, it's, you know, it's not a level playing field when you've got a team, um, you know, with petrodollars or millions and billions ahead of everybody else put together. It's not a level playing field. Um, but after all, I'd rather that we have a ride. I'd rather that we have some very discernible highs. And if we've got to suffer some lows, so be it. Um, if you look at, for example, Leon, what, what have they done? What have they got, you know, I don't see any massive uh, successes for them. One French Cup since they won the league in 2008, nothing else. And yet they still have the Champions League qualification. They've still built a stadium. They've got all these young players. They have higher sponsorship and all the rest um, than us. And they've they've been stagnating. And in that meantime, we've won stuff, we've lost stuff, but we've also come back and, and outperformed them again. Whereas we've managed to still achieve, even at our lowest ebb, Things that Paris or Lyon and, and the rest could only dream of, you know. I, I wish it was more stable. You know, there are twice that we've missed out on Champions League qualification because of goal line tech. Um, and and then, you know, 2018 for, for that 3-3 draw, uh, Gangan really sort of haunts me. But that came after th- three days before a Europa League final. Um, and I'd rather that we had the great times and the times where, you know, we recognise that, you know, we've, you know, there have been better days rather than just do absolutely nothing. If you look at, if you look at, or if there are any sort of English Monaco, Lille or Leon podcasts, I'd love to listen to them and think 
what have their what have their highlights been? Because they've you know Monaco won one league title, Lille have won one league title. Um, we've won six trophies this decade. Um, we've reached the Champions League quarterfinal. We've lost half our team on two different occasions. We've we've lived great football, and now we're slowly getting back, um, you know, into it. There've been massive mistakes. There've been massive, like you know, errors. 2015-16 season was an absolute whitewash. Um, I remember the game that we had against Rennes at home, uh, where Usman Dembele scored, and we lost 5-2. I've never seen a full-time result it's like just a feeling of anger, um, and like white-hot anger after that game. But then there've been lots of highs, and there've been highs in the last two, three years. We've had great players come through, you know. I wish that we were in the Champions League six seasons in a row. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the club is in a stronger position, you know, where, as opposed to obviously modern football has changed. But efforts have been made in the last two, three years to really cut the, to the arrears that we have to the rest of the clubs in Europe. On the field, there's still a lot to do, but especially if you look off the field, there have been massive, massive improvements. And we're, trying, we're starting to see it with, Sort of the academy starting to really bear fruit now, you know, and it's these bad moments that hopefully in the next couple of years that we're able to, you know, you know, will set the sort of the, the platform into, you know, growing really well into what is a modern football club. But yeah, I'll let I'll let Ben um, chime in. Yeah, um, yeah, good points. But um, yeah, can I? So I was just going to say that um, I think like it's um, although the last ten years have. You know, you you say that they're better than the ten years previously. Um, I can, I I think you have to think about the last thirty years. You know, um, because we've had since nineteen ninety three, ninety four onwards, we've had just so much shite that, you know, it's just I guess people are just fed up. You know, losing and being disappointed and stuff. So it's like the longer it goes on, the period of you know the the lack of success and stability the harder it it sort of is to swallow and i think um that one of the problems that we have as a club is it just feels like we're a bit kind of like it's like we've got manic depression you know it's either <laughs> wow amazing or it's so fucking bad well, it is it's, it, it it's definitely so bad is. more than it's that's it why we all love amazing. it that's but, why we all love it like, it's not yeah. a standard saturday or sunday game where you know you win as you're expected to, or you lose as you're expected to. There are moments, and that's why I think the top games of this decade uh, that you've seen, like, for example, the Inter result, the Leipzig, the, you know, yeah, Salzburg, all these, it's because they matter so much on moments like those. And, like, reason probably why people think this decade might be this is probably because we won the league title right at the beginning of I it. I think so, yeah. done Nothing since. But if you look, last decade, when we're really only strong, Obviously, there have been lots of near misses. Uh, the UEFA Cup final 2004 being key, but 2008-2009 was the only time we started to really become Champions League regulars. Yeah, and um, I think I think other than the drug, the, the drug bus season, there wasn't really that much to be excited about, you know, that, mm. that 10 years. Well, Leon won so. seven in a row. Yeah. Leon yeah. literally won seven in a row. No one, had, no one could really touch them. Um, you know, it was only 2009 that we start actually challenging for the title again. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Sorry, Ben. Let's hear from you. I'm just worried about time, but yeah. It's okay. Yeah. No, I'll be quick. I mean, I'm. I'm just going to summarise really, and I, I. I bring it down to. I think we all have different ways of measuring a, a club's success and a club's progress, especially. And for me, th- there's two main points and two main structural views that I take. Is 
from a from a club structure point of view and how professional we behave and, and how we come across and how we how we strategize and conduct ourselves in, in the transfer market or from a business point of view or from the academy, most importantly, um, I think we're in a much better place at the end of this decade than we were 10 years ago because 10 years ago we were reliant on an owner that, that left the club and was injecting money to, to pay off debts, etc., season after season after season. And we, we didn't have an academy. Any player we seem to produce, whether it's Flamini who who did us over a bit, but also there were, there were different politics of the club then who left after one season. Then Nasri came along and we had a couple of good years out of him and he left as well. Um, from a financial point of view, from a revenue point of view, from a marketing point of view, we're in a much better place now. We, we look like a professional football club that, yes got by for, for the early 2000s on its on its fame and on its on its fan base and on its popularity but as, as Mo said football has changed and that was never going to be enough it wasn't going to be sustainable so I'm glad that we've made a lot of progress since McCourt came in whether it's Zuby and, and the academy whether it's the relationships we have with local local teams and, and youth teams whether it's this OM Nation global fan club system they put in place which is unique in France and actually quite unique in Europe because they do give us quite a bit of perks. I'm very happy about the progress we've made there and it, it's it's good. It gives you a sense of pride and a sense of, I wouldn't say happiness, but a sense of belonging that your club is doing things right and is headed in the right direction. On the pitch, it's a contrasting story because heading into the end of the last decade, we, we were having, yes, we weren't challenging Lyon especially, but we, we certainly were well-established in the top three of Liga, We were getting regular Champions League football. We were, we were keeping the core of our squad together. We had players like Nyon, Ribéry, and, and yes, Deschamps came along and spent a lot of money on, on very good players as well. Uh, yeah, we were in, at the end of the last decade, you felt that we were on the verge of, of challenging seriously for the league and we ended up doing that and ended up winning it. But there, there was progression on the pitch. But the end of this decade, I think I think there's been too many negative seasons and too many transfer mistakes. And uh, not to bash him again, but a lot of it is down to Rudy Garcia and Eros' faith in him that we we spent a lot of money on on veterans like Strootman that, quite frankly, have been a waste of investment. And we've we've actually bought players like Payet back and stuff. You know, Payet sing his praises, but we've also slated him because he has been poor last season and and maybe. Since he's come back, he could have done a lot more than he has, but he's coming good now. So it's it's a bit it is a bit underwhelming when you see that we're not building towards anything, and you don't actually feel like we can we can actually challenge for for a, a domestic a domestic trophy, let alone the domestic title. I mean, we're, we're going to struggle to win the cups in the next two or three years unless we keep the core of this squad together and build on it, and we we have some stability from a management point of view where players are improving. So. For me, that's my summary. I'm, I'm happy that we've improved structurally, but I'm, I'm, I was more optimistic 10 years ago at the same period because of the squad that we had and, and the players that we had in the football. We were playing with Gerrit and then we had Deschamps. We, we, did, we were lucky. We had five years of really good managers. We've just not had that consistency or stability. And we're not in a very good position moving forward because... Unless in the next few weeks, contract situations like Liagi get sorted or Lopez, etc., we, we might lose another couple of good prospects that are young players that we could have ended up playing consistently and made a lot of money off on the resale and reinvested the money. So that that is that is my commentary.
Okay, yeah, Ron, a really good summary, actually, and I think some real positives there, and actually you you picked up on a lot of things that I think, you know, that we, we not really, like, covered, you know, about the kind of kicking out all the, you know, cleaning out all the dead wood in the club as well over the years, you know, like, you know, all the all the dodgy relationships we've had. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, all the very suspicious people that seem to be involved in the running of the club. Yeah, so a lot of that's gone, you know, and we don't have to put up, we haven't players like Toma Daruda in the squad anymore for whatever strange reason they were in the team, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so I think we'll kind of move on to our awards, actually. Um, I know it's a big topic, but it's good to hear your reflections on, on those 10 years, actually. There's a, you know, a lot of things that we forget, you know, the kind of progress that we've had and, and the sort of ups and downs. So it's, it's kind of good to kind think back sometimes and reflect on that but yeah I want to just like do a bit more something a bit more fun actually just very sort of quick fire just kind of go around some key topics and just I want you to pick out your choice and just very very briefly just explain why you chose it so I did put out some polls on Twitter for you know people's best favourite player favourite goalkeeper of the decade favourite defender and all that but those polls are still ongoing, so I don't really know what the the listeners will have picked yet, you know, but we'll just pick our own anyway. So the first one was obvious, um best player of the, the last ten years. Um who wants to who who goes first? Um Ed, I'll pick you. Just tell me who you uh, think is the best player of the decade and very quickly why you've chosen them. I'm gonna go out on a I'm gonna go out on a limb here and and I know that it's it's an obvious answer. Mm-hmm. Steve Bonanda has Sensible to be Steve. One. I mean, he's got us out so much. I mean, if he weren't there in 2015-16, we'd be in league two. So I think that's all you really need to know about him. He's he's a great player. He'll always be a great player. He'll always be the best goalkeeper we will ever have had at Marseille. And we, in some ways, we underappreciate him. He puts his body on the line for this club. Yeah. And that, for me, is what... Every player should aspire to be like. So for me, Steve Aldonda played the decade. Brilliant. Goalkeepers yeah, never so, get the recognition. <laughs> Guys, no uh, no comments, just pick your so, own player yeah. and then <laughs> and then right, because then we'll end up talking about each player forever. So Ben, do you want to pick no, your I'll, player? I'll, I'll, I'll and, just... I'll just jump in and, and agree with Ed. Yeah, Mondanda is he's our most capped player in our history. He's, he's been he's had one shit season out of all of the seasons he's played for us. He's been a superstar and he's our captain and he is a positive influence and he gives a positive influence to the image of the club. So, Stead Mondanda. Good. Brilliant. Um, Mo, what did, who did you pick for you? Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to say something different, even though obviously I do love Mondanda and you know, technically you guys are right. But just for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with Torvan. Yeah. Um, because he, he's basically grown with us essentially for a large part of this decade. Uh, you know, joining in 2013, actually fighting to get there. Um, had been opening, but I'm probably sold against his will, and then forced the move to come back for the second time. And ever since, he's been our best outfield player, um, especially in the last three seasons. He's contributed a massive hatful. He's grown with us. He's developed with us. He's become a World Cup winner. Um, and you know, is obviously Mandanda is obviously the, the key legend, uh, but Tovan has also been a very big part of of this decade for Owen. Brilliant. Um, so I'll just pick mine actually. Um, I had, you know, I swayed between two names. One of them I think is probably the best player, and one of them is probably my favourite player. Um, and so the and I have to, I can't really realistically say that. I think anyone should 
believe me when I say they're the best player. So I'd say that I would agree with you more. I'd say probably best player should be Tovan. Um, for me, I think quality player. I actually just love watching his him play, his playing style, his technique, the way he controls the ball. But I also think his you know, um, performance and impact on the team has been really underappreciated. Um, I think he gets so much, you know, bat, you know, so much stick from everyone for not scoring in the big games, blah blah blah. But we, you know, let's face it. I mean, he does the business for us, you know, regularly every week, every other week. You know, he's been the, the main man for a long time. Such a quality player. Um, maybe could have gone on to bigger things and better things than he has done. But you know, I'm happy with him at Marseille. But um, yeah, so he would be my pick for best player. I I did I nearly picked, and you are all laugh when I say it, but and I nearly picked Lloyd Remy just because I the two years the two good, but no, just let me finish. Yeah. Like the the two good seasons that he had, he had two good seasons where he was showing a lot of promise as a young forward, Behave. and then he got Behave. injured, and he you know he never you know he sold him <laughs> off. But I, I, not because, I, I'm not saying he was the best player, but he was a player at he a time. He had an impact. Yeah, in 2011, he was, yeah. Not I even that. that. He was a player at a time where I felt that in that really strong Deschamps team, I, I, I was excited that I thought he could progress into a world-class striker and, and for us, but he never did. Oh, he did. He did. But he, he never did. really he did. First, he never did long-term. No, it was you, very, like, he, was, you, he, he never really fulfilled the, like, the potential that he could have done. I, I thought he could have been, he still did all right. Yeah, but he, he, I thought I mean, he could look, have been he, a world-class player, and he wasn't. In the end. Yeah, he could have been. But, but he, anyway. came, he came to England. He came to England. He, he, he won a Premier League title with Chelsea. Yeah, but you know, he, was he was a, a bit of a part journeyman. player. Anyway, yeah, but he, so. still, he still scored consistently. I, I agree with you on the fact that when he was on fire for us, he was on fire in Europe, and he was, he was probably our last Champions League quality striker mm. in terms of potential and in terms of his performances. But yeah, yeah he, he still went on to do all right. But a, a really good player, very underappreciated. But he was the one that excited me a lot, and it, but it didn't work out anyway. So, but I had to be sensible, and I went. With, I'm going with Tovan. Right, we'll move on to the next one. Right, so this one, um, well, next one, we'll do um, your favourite game of the last ten years. Oh, it's a hard one. Who wants to go first? I've, I've been thinking about it all day, and for me, as old as it is, but I, I've got the memories of, of... I grew up in, in the Paris region, so I had to go to school with loads of PSG fans. I had I, ha, I went to the two French Cup and League Cup finals that we lost. Was it two French Cup finals? I can't remember. The, 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 the finals that we lost against Sochaux and Nantes. Yeah, 2005 and seven. Yeah, and... Yeah. We lost those games. I remember coming out of the stadium and crying and, and being like, what the fuck? Are we ever going to fucking win something? Am I going to see OM compete in my lifetime, etc.? So for me, as, as, as distant as it is and as maybe random as it seems, it is the, the League Cup final that we, we won our first trophy. We broke our, our trophy draft in. So when we smashed Bordeaux, who were the form team in Ligue 1 at the time, they had Laurent Blanc's coach, Gourcuff. They had a great team. We smashed them off the park. We beat them three 0 They were eight points clear at the time of the table yeah, as well, like exactly. in early twenty ten. Yeah, exactly. So we, and and we managed to turn it around and, and win the league as well after that with the momentum. So that was my favourite game was that league cup final where I went again third time lucky and we pulled it off and it was just like ecstasy. I mean, all of the Marseille fans were, were in heaven. The atmosphere oh, yeah. was brilliant and it was just the relief of breaking that trophy drought that, that had been going on for far too long. So that that's my pick. There have been a few notable highlights since then, but just just winning a trophy and coming out of the stadium, knowing you're a winner after so long, was was the pick for me. 
Good choice. And hard to remember games as well, so yeah, good choice. Um, who else wants to go next? Mo, what, what was your favourite game um, of the decade? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a bit sort of... It's quite difficult. There have been really lots of incredible moments that I've turned the game, but I just the actual match from first whistle to last is what I'm setting my barometer at. Um, and for that, I'm going to go for the Leipzig game. Um, the 5-2 the win against Leipzig, because Super on paper... Game. On paper, that game, you know, this was Germany's second best team at the time, um, who were who had destroyed, uh, you know, had won big in, in, in the Europa League already that year and uh, were doing well in the league, had a lot of fantastic players, um, and were obviously 1 0 up, or even 2 0 up on aggregate after two minutes, uh, where we needed three goals and we were sort of chugging along, but weren't exactly you know, in the league, pulling up any trees yet. We were just normally sort of just chugging along and taking games. We were already, I think, 45 games into the season. Um, and it was April, mid-April, uh, well, 50 games even. And f- after that sort of slap, after two minutes, we just, like a tsunami, just subsumed them. Like, literally, we played, and every player on that team, I still remember the keep post-match ratings, every player on that team was absolutely incredible. All 11 players played out of their skin and we just absolutely annihilated them. It's probably the best European result we've had in in ages. Um, it's a memory that everyone will remember. You know, even players that didn't do too well, like Sakai scoring into the open goal and just every, you know, limbs everywhere, everyone just collapsing into a heat um, was, was absolutely remarkable. Um, so that's going to go for me, yeah. Brilliant, yeah. Ed, what about you? <laughs> He took my you you read my Sorry. mind. You, you you read my mind. I had to say Leipzig. I can the second leg I can remember because the fact that it was just so unexpected. You know they beat us one nil there, like, and I thought we're done, we're out of there. But the fact it was just such a game, a tense game. You were constantly on the edge of your seat because it's one minute Leipzig were in front, then we were in front, then it was there, there, there. But just the it was just so joyful when Sakai yeah. tapped into the empty net. I mean, it's very rare that I get to, you know, scream and shout at television, but I lost my shit watching Sakai put that ball into the net. I ran around the room screaming like if I was 10 years old. It was just... And it was it was a joyful moment. You know, we'd been through the bad times. We'd been through the days where we got thrashed left, right, centre. And to see... This team working in harmony in almost a perfect performance to get to one step away to the Europa League uh, final competition we'd never won before. It did make me start believing that, hold on a minute, this team is very special. So I have to say that game. I have to. It's just... Also, it was, it was a game that you could tell all the sort of big game critics to shove it up their arse. Um, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, that was, you know, like, Obviously, it came at a time when PSG floundered again in Europe. Lyon had really not gotten off that, but to CSKA, you know, and we just absolutely demolish a team that were really in the ascendancy, like the hipster team of Europe, mm. um, being absolutely beasted by sort of an old guard, an old hand, sort of, you know, a team that everyone sort of maybe had a little bit forgotten about, uh, maybe forgotten what it's like to be. Because you remember in 2011, when we played Manchester United um, in the Champions League in the last 16. Uh, Ferguson was Alex Ferguson was saying routinely before the game and and uh, you, you, and when the draw was made that like, shit you know, I, I would not want to go to Marseille 
you know, European games in Marseille is not fun for any team, um, and we're gonna we're gonna really struggle. And you think, yeah, well, that's the you know, most glowing praise you can have. And everyone's sort of forgotten about that because it's been ages since we were that far in Europe. Um, people thought, yeah, you know, Marseille really are the shadow of who they are. And people sat up once more. You know, the whole world of watching that game. Um, and it's actually, I think people have voted it in like the best European game of that season or over the last five, six years. And it's just something to be really proud of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess, man, you had lost to us before, hadn't they? they um, years ago when... I think yeah. it was William Gallas who scored the goal and stuff. Um, that was a long time ago, though. Um, yeah, so, no, really good. I think you guys, I mean, I'd probably agree that the, the Leipzig game is the probably the best game in terms of excitement and stuff, but I picked a different game for different for a different reason. Um, so I picked a game that isn't wasn't the best game, but it was a game where I, I felt like, it, at the time, I, th- I thought it was like a statement game that made me think that we were about to assert ourselves as a proper Champions League side again. And it was when we beat Dortmund 3-0. Um, so, again, I mean, Dortmund, if I remember correctly, had us under a lot of pressure at the time. Dortmund were a really good team, like they are now. You know, it's an exciting young team. They were the hipster team of the time. You know, everyone was kind of like, yeah, there's this... They were the, they really... were the champions, weren't they, at the time? Or maybe it was that season. But, um, but they were... They, Come back again as this top team, but with good young players. They had Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. yeah, and they were they were such a good team. They were the kind of team that we wanted to be again. You know that we could try and emulate and the kind of finance. You know the financial. Um, I guess setup that we had. You know that it was possible for us to be like, and we played them, and they. I mean, they were good, and it, the the scoreline was completely misleading. But we beat them three nothing. And we, it was just we sucker punched them, and we had you know a strong unit of the Deschamps side, you know really solid team. But we were like Deschamps was kind of like he's br- he brought in these younger players like Loic Remy, Andre Ayew, Aspiliqueta, and so we had some you know some good young players as well, Cabori coming through as well, and there was a feeling that maybe we're building on we're building something, and we are going to be a good you know top European side again, and that was a game that I was really excited about that scoreline and you know that result and feeling that we were kind of getting back on the European map it turned out not to be the case you know because sort of domestically we were poor in the years to come but it was a game that I always remember like um, as a big game and a big moment for us or, or what could have been so that was the kind of game that I wanted to sort of earmark and remember um, not necessarily the best game but I guess a what could have been moment for us um, so yeah um, but yeah, I agree. The Leipzig game is the, is the exciting, you know, game that had it all from a sort of entertainment perspective. And but yeah, so um, next one category I was going to move on to, which is um, favorite goal. Um, maybe I don't know what your thoughts are. I find this quite quite difficult actually. Who wants to tell me first what their favorite goal was? Ben, shall I pick you? Pause. It's a tough one, but um, I'll, I'll go with. Back back to the Leipzig game. I'll, I'll go to the the Piat run and, and the outside of the foot into the top corner. When oh. yes, again we'd it, it it was all over by that point. It, we we were level on aggregate. <clears throat> you sort of thought we might have a couple more chances before the end of the game, but it wasn't going to come off. And then he just he just went on that individual run, sidestepped a couple of players, and then the technique with the outside of the boot that we know he loves and he abuses sometimes. 
curls it into the top corner. That that was just the explosion of joy that that we all felt. I think when that when when that came off and when it went in, that that will be my favourite goal, goal because of the impact it has. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ed, what were you? Ed, uh, uh, I would say that um, I'd say Rolando's goal in the semi-second leg. I mean, it'd been against Salzburg. Uh, it was just so. You know, we were t- we had two goal leads, we blew it, and then it looked like we were going to penalties. What Rolando's goal was, it wasn't it wasn't the best goal in 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 reality. But what it, it meant wasn't was, even a corner. <laughs> yeah, I know, but still. What it meant what it even meant was that we were on our way to our first European final in fourteen years. And the joy it brought to the city. You know, it was a sentimental goal. People may say, nah, it was a bit it was a bit crafty. It was a bit this, a bit. So what? We got to the final. You know, we got, you know, to where Marseille fans had never been for for fourteen years, which was a European final, and the excitement of it. So for me, Payet's goal was great. Sakai's open net goal against Leipzig was another one I was close to choosing. But for me, it's got to be Rolandos against Salzburg for the sentimental value. Okay, right. Um, what about you, Mo? What was your um, favourite um, goal? One for me because uh, this one, this goal was um, a shock, a surprise, but also it also had the same sort of euphoric uh, sort of uh, consequence um, as, as what the other guys mentioned. And for me, it's uh, Brandao's goal against Inter Milan, um, purely because it was completely unexpected. <laughs> that um, was so random. <laughs> he was, he was, and I, I don't mind, you know, if you don't mind swearing, the shittest striker yeah. I felt at the time. <laughs> Um, he was the vanisher man of the early 2010s, if you can put it. Um, except, except that he actually was a relative big game player. If he if he did score, it only came in the big moments. Everything else, you couldn't you, you couldn't hear. You know, he, he couldn't score anything. But um, against, you know, because I remember at the time he was shunting out to Brazil for some, I think, accusation about his private life. Um, had gone missing for about a year and then came back and. We were also on this absolute poor run of form. Um, you know, Inter Milan were absolutely buffeting us one, you know, one nil in the night, so I was getting ready for extra time. Um, and against the South American sort of behemoths are Julio Cesar, Walter Samuel and Lucio, absolute giants of the game. Brandao made them look like an absolute mockery. Um, latching onto Mandanda's long kick and sliding past both of them and sliding under Julio Cesar to send us to uh, the quarterfinal. Of the Champions League, it's a goal that I always remember. Uh, partly because I broke a five hundred pound laptop that night in in in, <laughs> in complete surprise and absolute sort of shock. Uh, one of my best friends was an Inter Milan supporter, and it's uh, it was just yeah, absolute great feeling. I think you um you also mentioned over there on Twitter, mode that that actually since then they've not. They've not qualified for the. They've uh, not exactly, and I'll give yeah, you another for a quarter final. Yeah, I'll, I'll give I'll give you another tidbit. Uh, Brandao's blocked me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> 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 I have no idea why, but I remember you know every year like obviously the OM accounts um, they um, they you know, tweet out the goal and the anniversary saying remember this goal on this day twenty twelve etc. And every now and again I just it just me it pops into my mind I'm like what's he up to these days. Then I just figure out they've blocked me. Maybe he's been <laughs> one day he must have had his legs up 
just searching for like his name on Twitter and just finding abuse. Um, because there's plenty, obviously, there's plenty of abuse that could be attributed to him. But yeah, it was it was a great great goal. Okay, um, I to be honest, like the one that was kind of sticking out for me was the Payet goal against Gengam. Um, just you know the volley, yeah, the, the um, from volley, last yeah. Se- was it last season? I think. Um, yeah. I mean, the moment wasn't great, but I just thought the technique, the way he took the volley, um, was just quite spectacular. Um, you know, from this, you know, the balls come down from a height. It's really hard to volley it when it's so high. The balls coming from such a height like that. Um, so for that, I think for technique, I would have to say that goal. Um, although Ben, you know. Obviously, the pie goal that you mentioned is just such a special goal and special moment. Um, so I, I did when you said that. The moment you said that, I was like, "Oh, I might have to change my mind there." But um, I mean, nah, I think I'll stick with the Gengam goal just for t- technique purposes. Um, but yeah, um, I find it really hard to remember goals. You know, it's just like you you kind of forget things. You know, quite easily with stuff like that. But okay, so um, I think last of all, before we finish up, I wanted us just to to pick out our best eleven of the or, or our favourite eleven of the decade. So pick your eleven players. Um, so we'll just go round the group. So I'm I'm happy to run through it quickly, mate. Yeah, so I'll put yeah, it on just Twitter anyway. So yeah, so, so did I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Modern goal because there is really no other choice. He's been our, our number one keeper for nine out of the ten years. Um, Sakai right back just because. We've had good right-backs, but he's been the most consistent and he's actually been with us for, for three years now. Uh, Zawara and Bia in, in central defence because they, they were just quality. Um, they, you know, Together, the physicality, but the technique that Mbia bought when he steps back from midfield into central defence was exceptional at the time. On the left, Benjamin Mendy, because to balance that 11 out, you need, you need a good sort of attacking full back so he's he's gone on to a great career obviously and it's yes he's had injuries but he's still won a lot of the trophies then in midfield i'd go with if i had to pick an ideal from a complementarity point of view i'd go with gustavo in central center defense in midfield uh lucho in front of him with ayu ayu for the the, the, the fight and the the, the rangier sort of spirit that we see now which is the, the box to box but Lucho just for the, the technique and, and the distribution and the assists and the playmaking. And then up front, I'd go with Valbuena on the right, um, Gignac down the middle, and uh, I can't remember who I'd put out on the left, uh, Payet, Payet out on the left wing, even though he, he's played number 10 at times and he, he, he seems to be predominantly on the left wing. It's a brilliant That's team. mine. Brilliant team. Like, and I, I mean, I think it'd be hard to find a stronger team than that. From Marseille players over the years, but yeah, excellent team. Um, Ed, what about you? Well, my talent pool's a bit limited since I only came in halfway through the decade, but I'll go with it. Goal, Mondonda, left back, Mendy, right back, Sakai. Centre backs, I'm going to go with sentimental value. Uh, Rolando and Doria, which is called two <laughs> vital goals. Your noise is up, man. <laughs> And we, and we need a bit of banter in that side as well. That's what that's a Marseille way. Uh, centre mid, it's got to be my mate, Luis Gustavo. Uh, he'd be wrong not to. Uh, Morgan Sanson, possibly. We could probably squeeze him in. And I'm not really sure who else. Maybe, maybe we could squeeze Dimitri in. I'm not, I'm not too sure. And then in the attack, Pyatt on the right. You're going to laugh at me for this. Uh, a Campos on the left. Why not? Uh, like... 
Look how good he is now. Look how, yeah, look how Bayern Munich wanted to put 70 million onto him. Yeah, apparently. No. yeah. Eat your heart out, thick here. Uh, Campos <laughs> on the left. Uh, yeah, he's stuck in Betis. And just for just because of how much of a big man he was and how much he shoved his way around the pitch, it's got to be Gignac. Big Mac has to go up front. <laughs> just, just, it has to. Be wrong not to without the side of him. Brilliant, yeah. Good fun. Uh, what about you, Mo? Um, okay, I'll go through Mandanda um, and M- Mendy and Kulu. Um, the other sort of centre-back positions a bit... Uh, I'll, I'll probably go Rolando because he's had three seasons. I mean, his first season was pretty low key, but he ended up really pro- provided big for the club. Um, JJ, who I found was really underrated. Um, uh, Luis Gustavo. Agree, though. Sorry? Agree on JJ. He's actually quite one of the best players we've had. Really underrated. And obviously, I feel sorry because when he left, he's done absolutely nothing in football since. So it's a very very bad move um, so you've got Gustavo Ayu uh, Tovan Payet uh, Juniak um, and what 10 here I don't know no one else really sort of screams to mind um, Joey Barton absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll put Stephen Fletcher <laughs> Oh, his great cameo! Yeah, his great cameo. What's the banter sub? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, right, Stephen Fletcher. Then, um, right. I but I put mine on Twitter, but I've changed it slightly actually since I realised I'd forgotten someone major. So, um, Mandanda and goals, obviously. Um, right backs where I changed it. So I forgot Aspili Quetta was 2010 to 2012 for some reason I thought he might have only had one year in that decade but it was two years I know his first year he wasn't that great he took him a while to settle but his second year he was excellent um, so yeah I've got to put him in left back Mendy you know such an exciting player although I mean obviously when he went to Monaco he really blossomed but um, I still really enjoyed his runs and his crossing superb and to be honest I mean who else you're going to pick at left back Jeremy Morel um, so yeah um, and then centre back I went for Nkulu um, I think a re- when he you know his early years brilliant young player kind of stagnated a bit but partly probably because of he was surrounded by shite players at the back. Um so you can really... um, he had a recurring recurring knee problem as well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. But I mean a really talented defender who should have gone on to become for me I I feel he should have gone on to become one of the top centre backs and, and you know top ten centre backs maybe in in European football, but he didn't, I guess. I thought he had a lot so much potential. Um but a really good player in his early years with us. Um, and then uh, next to him, I I I went for Mbia over Diawara. I just liked Mbia and his style. I just thought any any strikers that came up against Mbia when he played in defence just just got battered. He was just such a rock, so physical, you know, so imposing. I, re- I really I really enjoyed watching him at the back more so than in midfield. Um, in midfield, yeah, again. So I, I mean, I accept that these weren't. You know, maybe the best eleven in your eleven. Ben is maybe more a more solid team, but I just I really liked. Um, well, one I thought 
Lasana Giara in his season at OM, his first season, I, you know, I think he was spectacular that season, and he was the, really the thing that kept us from not being a complete car crash. He, you know, and I think we forget about that because he's such a dickhead and he dicked us around. Yeah, but he, on on the pitch, if, he was a class above everyone else. And I'm sorry, I feel he was a class above everyone else in the league. I think he. He was. He I, was. People, people talk about Gustavo and stuff. I, I, I'm sorry, but I feel Gigiara is just a, was a different level player. But he was a knob end, and he never, he never, my... he never consistently, you know, kept up on the pitch. But that year at Marseille, he was excellent. He was so good on the ball. It was like he's got eyes in the back of his head and the sides, everything. He, you know, he was just he, he could see things that I just feel like, you know, everyone else wasn't really on the same page. You know, he was just he was too good, but too. The wrong attitude for you know, but anyway, so I I enjoyed yeah. him. Um, he wasn't the right. I think he was the right club, wrong time. If if yeah. we'd have had him in that Bielsa season, we oh, we'd have finished fuck, yeah. at least at least seconds because yeah. in the fo- in the form he was in when he came to us, I mean, you're right. He was exceptional. He was just at the wrong wrong yeah. team, the right club, but the wrong time. Yeah. So next to him, I put in Buller because I I get a player again that I just you know I thought he was especially the season under Bielsa just. I found I th- I found him to be a really exciting young player, great technique, great style. I loved the way he controlled the ball and bombed forward. But I mean, he never went on to fulfil his potential. But imagine him and Giara together under Bielsa. I just think that would have been they could have gone on to just been frightening. Um, Payet probably through the middle, maybe, and then I'd probably put Valbuena on the left. Where he could cut in with that, he had a really good right foot. You know, he could hit some, ping some really good right foot shots. But you could um, switch Valbuena and pie it around, kind of swapping as the game goes. Tovan on the right, obviously, and then up front. You know, as I mentioned earlier on, I went for Lloyd Remy just because I get similar to Mbula. I thought he was a really exciting prospect with us that would go on to bigger and better things. Um, I, mean, I know maybe Gignac event, although was shite when Remy was at the club, Gignac eventually went on to build more of a legacy at OM, but I felt Remy was, you know, maybe had a lot more potential. Um, and we've not really had many great strikers, to be honest. We've had a lot of years without, you know, with that piece missing in the puzzle. So, so yeah, I would, I would have gone for Remy up front. So that was my eleven. Which I think is it's really an eleven of what what could have been, you know, for potential that probably that was unfulfilled. But players that I enjoyed watching and I liked their styles, you know. Okay, um, so yeah, I think with that maybe we'll probably wrap it up. You know, it's quite a long pod. We've covered quite a lot of subjects tonight. Quite a lot of broad topics. Last one of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. last one of well, the year, guys. So yeah. It'll be a while, maybe as well, a few weeks or so before we get another one out as well, because I think it was the break, the winter break. Um, yeah, so guys, just to say thanks very much for taking part tonight. It's good to see you all, Ed, Mo, see you all back on the show as well. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Have a good Christmas. Cheers. Thank happy you. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, and just say yeah. have a good New Year and Christmas, everyone, and we'll get back out to you in the new year. Thank you. Good night. Cheers, guys. Bye. Au revoir.